Welcome to a very special edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. I am Michael Graham, managing editor at nhjournal.com. On election day, I'm at Castro's in downtown Manchester. It's a tradition of mine because you never know who you meet on election day. And sure enough, I'm sitting down and uh, who walks in but Rudy Giuliani. And uh, chatting with the former mayor, he does a radio show on WBC, and he said, I want to talk to you, Michael Graham, about what's going on in New Hampshire. So we interviewed each other. The audio quality is a little interesting, but I think it's very listenable. I hope you enjoy this impromptu podcast from nhjournal.com. And of course, I hope you've signed up for our newsletter, uh, where we are the number one political newsletter in the state of New Hampshire, if you're listening out and about beyond our Granite State borders. And I hope you are checking out our content every day at nhjournal.com. Hello. So we are in one of the most iconic places in Manchester, Castro Cigar. You saw on the way in, I took, I stuck my tongue at him and uh, made a close on Because, look, you know, could take that guy in two seconds. However, <laughs> we came in and this place, you, you come here, you want to find out what's going on. It's not like New York where they're all hidden in a big tower of the New York Times and they think they know everything. Here, they really do know everything because they stay close to the people. Now, we know each other, right? Absolutely. My, so, one of my first political gigs back in the day was in Westchester County. I'm Michael Graham. I now am the managing editor of New Hampshire Journal, the number one political newsletter in the state of New Hampshire. And uh, we've been uh, covering the races here, and it's obviously exciting. Wow, and you are make, in the center did, of American did politics, we, did as we usual. go to the right place, well, Ted? You must be smart. So... No, I want to ask you the first question. Here's what the thing. Are you this sw- is very, okay. very tough. He wants to interview me. I, I want do. to interview him. So we're going to go back and, <laughs> we'll go back and forth. Question number one. No, question you, number one is what are you smoking? That is I, always I question I am smoking a, uh, a LaGoria Cubana Series R. Oh, I love the Series R. I could tell yeah, you the great. whole history of this. Ernesto Cudillo, when he first made it, then he sold it a General Cigar. It went down for a while. Now it's come back. Well, I'm a big Series R fan. I'm a Nicaragua guy, and I got my My Father right here. And I'm a big My Don Father Captain guy, Garcia. and I'm a huge uh, Padron guy, but they're, they're hard to get sometimes. This, these are made by the Don Pepin yes. Garcia, they're very who good. might very well be the most prolific cigar maker in the world, because he makes a lot under other labels. His big one is, of course, my, right. my, all the My Fathers, but then the Pepins, right. stronger. <laughs> and then he makes cigars with other people on the white labels. They're fabulous. And, I, and my favorite cigar... Well, tell us your favorite cigar. My favorite cigar is the Padron 1926 Anniversario. That is my favorite. Absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question I've asked many people. Okay. Have you ever gotten a bad Padron? I've never gotten a bad Padron. Isn't that That's weird? Right. It is so how many do you think you smoke? Oh, my gosh. I started smoking in my mid-20s. Hundred, yeah, uh, hundreds, definitely. Okay. Not the 26s, though. They're a little pricey. You know, you may, you're yeah, up in no, the elites no, up there. I'm talking about... But the Padron's I'm the day-in, day-out, the 800s, the 700s. I'm even talking about yeah. the lower-priced exactly. cigars, the round ones. You know, yeah, the, the 800s and the 700s. They are... Or 8,000, yeah. 7,000s. They are solid. Well, sometimes, I know them really well, and I've been in their factory, and the way they do quality control... I used to teach uh, leadership, business organization. I used to tell people to go watch how they do quality control for whatever. But they are fabulous. So here we are. We're having a, we're having a political conversation with the thing that makes you honest when you're having a political. You know what that is? A cigar. Right. Absolutely. A Do cigar. not lie you while you're smoking cigars. All this, all this spin, all this nonsense, yep. all this fake news. So tell us. This is a, this is very exciting. You know, we got four or five news crews just in the last three days, yes. reassigned to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. These people were going to Pennsylvania. These people were going sure. to 
Nevada? No, Nevada, which I think may be over. It yeah. may be over. Uh, they were even they were even stupidly headed down to North Carolina. We were going to win that. <laughs> yeah, Bud was the solid. Uh, we got him to spend money there. That, that's true. Hey, you got him to spend money in all kinds of crazy places. Well, Oregon. They about, spend money in Oregon. Whatever you, whatever you want to say <laughs> about New York. Yeah, put about ten million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin. Bye worth, bye. Yeah. Bye Lee bye Zeldin. Whatever happens to that race, Lee Zeldin was worth every penny. It was a big help for Republicans. So the story in New Hampshire. I think the most, the, the first things to know is New England has six states. Three Republican governors. There are 33 members of Congress. One is a Republican, Susan Collins, who's even half Republican. My point is, that's how reluctant these voters are to vote for a federal officer who's a Democrat. I mean, who's a Republican. Isn't that very, it's really hard. Think about that. There are more Isn't governors who are Republicans right. than out of the entire delegation. Right. So, so that's, a, that's so a strange, it's an it's, and, and, and you're pretty Republican locally. Well, it's, Did, you, you, uh, you had a veto-proof uh, legislature for a while. Well, a, few, a few years ago, but the, you know, the big news is, you know, last year in 2020, Joe Biden won New Hampshire by about eight points, but the Republicans flipped the state House and state Senate from Democrat to Republican while they were giving and Biden a, a big win. A lot of win. people give credit so, to... Governor, Governor Sununu, Sununu, which I think he gets some, but it also has happened in New Hampshire before. Yeah, so in the past, it's happened in the past, and they had that in 2010, they had the big wave, et cetera. But my point is that people here are willing to split their tickets, but when it comes to federal races, because the Republican brand is a southern state and midwestern state brand, they know that on social issues like abortion, et cetera, that there's a divide. So it's almost like trying to get a Starbucks customer to order Dunkin's. Here they love Dunkin's day in and day out, but when it's time for the big event, they go to Starbucks. And that's where the Democrats are. They own the Starbucks lane. I think that's going to break, and there are a couple of reasons why. One is the energy issue is so huge in a place. Think about this, Mayor. 43% of, of the people sense. here burn oil. They still burn oil here, 43% of the households. So when the cost of diesel, which is basically what you burn in your house, goes up, they get killed. The, the notion of wind and solar, wind has a future here, but solar, it's a crap environment for solar. This ain't Arizona, you know, so it's hard to do. The other, the other techs are behind. So you've got people who are really reliant on burn old-fashioned oil, propane, and natural gas, and the message from Democrats, when Joe Biden said over the weekend before the election, two idiotic things. We're going to shut down the coal, and we're going to stop no drilling, no drilling. Even though there's not a lot of coal here, there's one power plant in the entire state left, they get the message. You know how it is. The big picture so message. If you, is, I'm a running, Democrat, if, I hate if you were running as a Democrat in a close election, and he said that, that's bad news. You go crazy. That's bad news. All, that all election, he's trying to finesse. All the election, they're trying to yeah. finesse the energy issue, right? Like uh, Fetterman, exactly. who is dead set against fracking. I'll lay down my body and stop <laughs> fracking. I'm the biggest supporter <laughs> of fracking. And when they ask him to explain the change, he goes, oh. Well, I, to, to quote that great political philosopher, John Fetterman, I like fracking. Fracking <laughs> is good. Fracking make fracking good. I, by the way, I, I'm not. A, I'm not going to mock John Fetterman. I thought he was great in Young Frankenstein, putting on the Ritz. He was absolutely I fantastic. He, I thought it was terrific. I it? think the arrogance, whether it's him or his family, of running him, is a complete insult to the United States. Yeah. I you just wonder. They're going to kill the man too. I mean, uh, my partner, who does uh, my radio show with me, too bad she's not here. She's from. Born here, oh. and she was the uh, uh, president of Cottage Hospital, up to, up right. two, two hours up, and she was the number one rural uh, CEO for seven years. 
very close with all the governors. She knows the politics here really, really well. And I tell her from the time I ran here in 06, 07, everybody here has a PhD. <laughs> or they think they do. They think they do, absolutely. So, and of course, uh, today is Tuesday. That's right. Tomorrow the presidential election begins. That's right. And you know, first focus is here. Yep, of course it is. Because so, Iowa, so Iowa has increasingly become less important, less important. Oh, it's almost as if anybody who wins Iowa loses. <laughs> and this is really where it starts. You win here, you took a jump. So New Hampshire Journal, which I manage, we're having the first event of the first in the nation cycle on Friday, three days after the election. And we're gonna, the, the conversation is gonna be, what did the voters teach us on Tuesday? And how does that relate to 2024? So, we're gonna have all the strategists who work for the presidential candidates and we're going to do this round table, are, and it already starts. Some of them are not hired yet, but they're... Exactly. I remember, already I remember when I hired well, strategists up here. They're all interviewing. They're interviewing <laughs> you. You're interviewing them. Yes. You're like a neophyte, so you got to trust, <laughs> right? But I, I have to tell you, I lost to McCain here. I was winning until four months before, and then two things happened. Uh, the surge worked. Right. And John... Sure. More important, John almost dropped out. Right. Yes, he spring. did. It was just him and a guy in a car. And uh, the minute he dropped out, I went to one because I was number two behind here. And, and in a way, our voters and his voters were the same. We used to poll it. They, they were going to vote either for me or him, right. me or him, me or him. So I went to the top. He quits. He th he's out. We're negotiating with him. See if we can. Got this close. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this. I have no money. Going to go to two places. New Hampshire, South Carolina. That's right. And I can spend more time in New Hampshire because Lindsay can cover me That's in right. South exactly. Carolina. And he basically moved in. Mm -hmm. If you can afford it, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. When he did that, I told my people, watch out. John's gone. He'll be endorsing you in a month. I said, watch out. Exactly. We came back here in September, October. Romney and I and Huckabee, he had a lead. Yeah. And you tried to break into it, but you couldn't because he had already won the people exactly. over by showing how how open he was. Mm -hmm. And he's a he's a good he's a good candidate yes. for this place. Yes, he is. Uh, this is a, these vo voters in New Hampshire are clean voters. You don't have the political corruption exactly. we have. Nope. Uh, what in New York? No political corruption in New York. Please, I'm going to think. Please. Can no, I get a beverage? I, I, I made you a drink. Oh my God! Remember, I ran a campaign in Westchester County. Okay, I ran against the Yonkers machine. I know what corruption looks like. So I, would, I want to tell you something. You just hit on something that's relevant for 2022. Don Bolduck in 2020 was the, one of the Republicans in the primary to run against Gene Shaheen. He lost badly. Didn't really take it well. Had some grumpiness about how it was handled. Who? Who? who uh, uh, Don Bolduck. Who won that? Uh, uh, Corky Messner. A, oh, yes, a, yes, a, yes. Corky yes. Messner. So Bolduck announces like a week later. I'm running in 20, literally like a week later. No one, and I confess, New Hampshire Journal, we did not take it seriously, we didn't pay that much attention. And you know what he did? He did the McCain strategy. He went out, he's done 81 town halls in the 2022 That's cycle. That's Senator Hassan has never done a town hall in the three years that I've been running New Hampshire Journal, not one. Now, she was, not a, go one. She was a governor. She was governor for two terms. Maria tells me she wasn't bad as a governor. I mean, she wasn't great. Uh, Shaheen is thought of as being better governor. Yeah, Shaheen is, is a so Shaheen is a solid A political talent. And, Sh and Shaheen, and for some reason, has sort of like that affection 
she's been around. She's done. Beyond. I'll tell you this: when Republicans have problems in D.C., they call Senator Sheehan. Okay. But hasn't never hasn't as a as a governor. Although she, I thought she was a good governor, not bad, but she wasn't as good as Sheehan. No, she doesn't have her political. And she spent this last six years. I thought this was really telling. Uh, you know the guys over at National Review. Not I know you guys aren't all getting along at all not the time. Not me. But uh, I, I stand. Yeah. <laughs> They're good. But they uh, they did their podcast predicting the race, and uh, one of them's a friend of mine, and I sent him a note. Guys, it's not Hassan. It's Hassan. It's Hassan. So they mentioned this in the podcast that that they you know, they've been saying the name wrong. And Rich Lowry, the editor of National Review, said something fascinating. He said, "Think about this. We're political junkies. She's been in the Senate for six years. We don't even know how to say her name." That's how irrelevant she is. So if Bulldog wins, he had no money, no nothing, has been pounded with negative ads. The Democrats ran money to make him the nominee inside the Republican primary. They spent, Schumer spent three million New York dollars in our so primary. If, 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 if he if wins, it'll be McCain strategy beating the D.C. media strategy. Thank you, to, uh, you, uh, should to you should send it to Chuck. Tell Chuck, Chuck thank you Chucky, very much. Chucky Cheese. <laughs> You should tell them the New Hampshire Republican Party is delighted to be I guess he didn't want to be majority leader anymore. <laughs> I guess not. What a jerk. So, but, but, you know, they the Democrats made a mistake here, and they make it a lot, and they've made it other places. They overdid it on Bulldog. Exactly. Yes, Bulldog is right. Yes, Bulldog was aligned with Trump. Sure. But he's not a maniac. Right. They painted him as if he's some kind of right-wing coop job. Yeah, exactly. So if he did all those appearances... Every time he did an appearance, he got he got the unexpected factor. Exactly. It's like, my God, the guy talks no more. Exactly. <laughs> we didn't get hurt. You know how rare it is for a debate to actually matter. There have been a few. Chris Christie taking out Marco Rubio. That was obviously a debate that mattered. They had one televised debate because Senator Hassan, Senator Hassan, think about this. She declared the debate schedule before the primary was over. She didn't know who she's running against. She said, these are going to be the three debates, period, end of story. That's all we're going to do. Big mistake. She should have One, exactly. One TV debate. They do the debate. Bulldog shows up, and people were expecting a D, because they'd seen all these ads. And he was a B. He wasn't great, but he Look, was I watched. I watched yeah. it. I watched it on the road. She was terrible. She was awful. She was, you were like, oh my God, who is, she wanted, she looked like she wanted to just, can I please go home now? And that Look, debate I knew, I knew, turned things I knew around. Morris. From way back, Senator and Chuck Morris, very and good guy. He supported me when I was president. He's a solid Republican, I, not super exciting, but a solid yeah, Republican. Yeah, and I thought I thought they overdid the Rhino thing on him too. Yep, absolutely. This guy's a very solid conservative no, Republican. And I also think what they did to his character, they should go to jail for, because the man's an honest man. Mm -hmm. You may not like his politics. Exactly. You may think he's not effective. Mm -hmm. I do, but what they did to his character, disgusting. Yeah. But in any event. I wasn't sure at the beginning that Bulldog could do it. When I saw that debate, I said, man, if they can put together a campaign now, this is a chance. Right. So how would you rate it now? Election's going on mm -hmm. today. Plus, a lot of people don't know this. He gets the advantage of no early voting. That's right. So if three weeks ago, he was right. the bad exactly. guy. Who, yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden, he's a bit of murder. They're going to vote based on present so, knowledge. So here's the, the upside and the downside for being the Republican in New Hampshire. The upside is, as you said, not a lot of early voting. I think there's been about 40,000 ballots or so that have been cast. Uh, and by yeah, the way... And that, are, that are legitimate absentee exactly. ballots. Because that's you have, you have to... Have well, we always had that. Exactly. No excuse. You have to have, excuse, have to have reason why. But here's, here's what's cool. Typically, Democrats, it's like 65-35 you know, Democrats taking absentee ballots. Yesterday, it was... Four, 43 to 30, only a 13-point gap. That is not good for Democrats. They need a 25, 35, 40-point gap. So that's the good news, like you said. 
Bolduc can take advantage of the late momentum. The bad news is the voters in New Hampshire are far more suburban, college-educated, white-collar than a lot of these states. You go to Nevada, the fact that Hispanic voters are moving to Republicans is great news for Laxalt. You go to Arizona, but you don't have Hispanics. Say, there's like nine Hispanic people and four black people in Titus. I said, look, I'm from South Carolina. I'm used to living in a place where you see a lot of people of different have colors. A, this place a, is like the set of a Minnesota sitcom. I mean, do, everybody do here a, is white. Do, do you have a, a, a critical mass of like uh, blue collar workers? Yes, that's uh, Trump, the, the natural Trump voter now. So, New Hampshire's only gone Republican for president once in the entire 21st century. It was George Bush in 2000. If New Hampshire had not gone for Bush in 2000, Florida wouldn't have mattered and Al Gore would have been president. But since then, they've never gone Republican. Not Trump. Even, not even 2004. Trump, no, 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 not even 2004. But Trump got within a point or so here in New Hampshire. It was like, yeah. in 2016, it was that close. It was a I was here years. the night before the election at the airport doing the rally here. Right. And so my point is, Trump had, there is a definitely a blue collar, the establishment stinks, you guys don't talk to me, you're all in D.C. talking about climate change and gender pronouns, and I'm working in a blue collar job, I need fuel to heat my home, I need regular work, and that, so that vote that, opportunity exists for him. But there are a lot of suburban, college-educated white voters here, disproportionate because of the Boston suburb effect. Because you can live in New Hampshire and be 40 minutes from Boston. Yeah, how about and the so college votes? So the college votes, the, the, New Hampshire has the highest percentage oh, of college Maria, students per capita in the state. That should be declared. Well, they, they've been having a lot of fights about it. But my point is that the where, however the wave goes, it's going to be lowered here a little bit by the white, you know, suburbanite vote. It's not going to be like Georgia and Pennsylvania because there's such a large percentage. At the same time. They're white suburbans who voted Republican a lot in the past. In the last 48 hours, the reporting we're doing at the New Hampshire Journal is a number of people going, I can't believe I'm going to vote for Don Bolduck. I okay. can't believe, I never would have voted for Don Bolduck, but I've had it, I'm sick, but, I'm done, and I'm going to do it. Let me give you an example of suburbs. So in New York, we have major two major suburbs, Nassau and Suffolk County. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Used to be Reagan days. Absolutely. He got his biggest vote in Nassau County. More than Orange County. Really? California. I did not know that. Massive Republican. The last Republican to win it solidly was Ronald Reagan. I think Bush eked out a victory there. Clinton took them back from us. Right. And we never got the suburbs back. We even lose local offices there. Last year, last year, off your election, we wiped them out of the suburbs. Isn't that amazing? And the, the suburban women voted Republican. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, is that a permanent thing? Uh, right. Does that carry over? Right. I think the suburban vote is in flux right now, and it'd be very interesting to see what happens. So the question that the, a lot of readers we have at New Hampshire Journal who are political junkies and trend Republican is have is, are we gonna, that's a good point, that's a very good point. Is the return of President Trump, assuming that he announces next week, is that going to reopen that rift, or can he keep those Republican suburban women who were with Republicans and then they drifted yeah. away, they were uncomfortable with Trump for all sorts of reasons, and now they, they're upset with Democratic performance, is he going to chase them away? What do you think the impact well, will be? Here, here, here's the first thing I like about it. He didn't announce before, <laughs> which was 50-50. Smart move. He's becoming a much better analyst. Right. Smart move. Uh, when you're when it looks like you're winning, I don't know if we're going to win, but it looks like we're winning. Right, sure. 
you don't screw it up. <laughs> why throw it? Why throw a variable in? Right. Who knows? It could be a home run. It could be a major strikeout. Exactly. So we'll have to. We'll, we can worry about that after we want. <laughs> Plus, I, I, I don't mind telling you. My strong advice to him was: wait until after. First, first oh, your ride's here, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> first of all, you get a chance to see. You get a little more information. Exactly. Absolutely. The Tuesday, Tuesday night, the voter's going to teach us something. How real is it? Exactly. And then you can decide when to announce, how to announce, what to emphasize. So I think um, it's a little bit different. This is a, this is a more experienced Trump. Okay. Uh, so I agree with you. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, a lot of it's going to depend on how much of those suburban women came right. over. And um, he's got an appeal to them. It's the personality. It's right. not the pol His policies are their policies. Sure. Uh, you can say the country's economy is horrible. We're paying, we're paying uh, 10, 20 percent more for everything. Right, sure. When's the last time we paid less? When he was president. Right. right. When did we have no inflation? When he right. was president. When did we have more real jobs? When he was president. When were we safe? Not getting killed all over the place. <laughs> you don't have that as much in New right. Hampshire. But where New Hampshire, the economy is the number one issue. Sure. And most of America. In New York, the number one issue is crime. And in Pennsylvania, people in Philadelphia are getting killed three, four a night. Right. No, and that's another area that's interesting, too, is those suburbs outside Philadelphia. You know, back in the Reagan and post-Reagan era, they were viewed as kind of the doorway to Pennsylvania. If you could get those, you know, middle-of-the-road suburbanites on your side, you'd win. If you lost them, you would lose. What do, you, what do you think the standing is of the Republican Party in places like that, these suburbs outside major cities like Philly? And does the fear of the crime in the place that they only go to for dinner reach out to them in Bucks County, Delaware County, that kind of thing? I know it better in New York. So okay. 50 to 60 percent of the people in Nassau County work in New York City. So what happens in New York City is very relevant to them. Suffolk County, it's about 40 percent. Westchester, similar. So New York City does have a major bleed over effect there. Uh, in Philadelphia, first of all, the suburbs have gone further away. Yes, they have. Than in New York. Uh, there's, there's, there are parts of them that are solidly blue. You have counties that had Republican governance from the Civil War until 2018. There was the Trump effect, literally you know, ended that governance in and Chester some, County. And, 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 and that's uh, huge. And, and I, I might say some of those parties became corrupt. Some of those Republican parties had the exactly. problem Democrats had. Exactly. Being in power too long. Too long. 50 years in Chicago, Absolutely. 20 years in New York. Yep. You become a crook. <laughs> um, I dream of being in politics long enough to become a crook. That's why. Well, that's, that's what I want. But that's why Shapiro is winning easily. Yeah, he's a solid candidate. Yeah. He really is. Look, he's not the politics that I embrace, but he's a straight guy on energy. He's been very and smart. Much, when they not, were demanding, not, you've got to join Reggie and you've got to ban fracking. He refused to do either two years ago. Think of the self-discipline to go for and, two years and, and all those people yelling. And Mastriano didn't uh, get the break that Bullock got. They never got a second look at him. Right. And he had no money. Right. If you got a second look so, at Mastriano, he's the same thing so, as Bullock. He's so not may, crazy. So you may he's remember. A you may remember that a hero the, and a historian. During the during the primary, he was doing a podcast interview and said, "I'm, I'm sick of all these questions and you liberal crazies and blah blah blah." And he slams the microphone down. At least that was me. I was interviewing him, and I'm like, guy, dude, I'm center right. I don't know what you're talking about. He just, he was so defensive and so. This is what happens. And, and he couldn't open the door 
to say, look, there's another part here. You know, there's the dorm room politics, and then you know how that is. You always get, you know, Blake Masters paying a price for this. You're in a dorm room, you're talking about, okay, theoretically, if you were gonna redo the tax system, you, know, would you what would you go to? And, and in a normal campaign, that conversation is terrible. So he couldn't open the door away from that theoretical conversation down to, as a governor, these are the four things I will do. So Oz has to worry about Shapiro running up a big number. He's got to overcome it. I think Fetterman is so frightening. He does it. And most of the polls now have a nice little lead for Oz. Now, where it helps us the other way is in Georgia, where Kemp is romping. And Walker also had been overdone. So he appears for the debate. He sounds like an intelligent man. They were painting him as a dope. Mm -hmm. He seems to be a good man, and they're saying all these things about him. And then we find out Warnock did worse than him. <laughs> Warnock beat the crap out of his wife, ran her over. I mean, and he's for, he's for defund the police, Black Lives Matter. So uh, he'll get the benefit of that big pimp, pimp vote. And Carrie Lake, if Masters pulls it out, Carrie Lake will do it for him. And, you know, Carrie Lake is a reminder that... Even in this era of polarized politics, where the, the the voters really just show up wearing their jerseys, most of them, that quality of candidates still matters. You take Carrie Lake's issue set, and you take some of the sentences that she's used. I mean, you got a loser. That's yeah, too extreme. She's one. But she shows up. You see her, and people process that all together. Look, we all know people who have views on things that we don't agree with, but we still like and trust them. And she gets on TV, and people go. I like her, I trust her. And on that other and crazy stuff, her. well, nobody's perfect. I could have been, I, I endorsed her before Trump did. Wow. I, I knew her because she was involved in the election thing with me. I was right. his lawyer in Arizona, all the states. She was, a, she was one of our most courageous and strongest supporters. What I would say about her is the woman's for real. She's got political talent at a very high level, but she's an honorable, she tries to answer the questions. She'll also change her mind. She'll listen. She's not a, a hardhead. Right. So it could be very, very interesting. So what's your final word on New Hampshire? And then tell me a little about Caroline Levitt, who's, oh, yes. really, who's really made so, a big name for herself all over the country. So uh, a couple years ago, I get a text from someone I've never heard of. She's the uh, comms person for Step Stepanek in New York. Who's, who's, and she's I, been banned. She got she got blacklisted from I think Twitter. Some you know, her account got shut down for supposed hate speech. It was one of these scam idiots. Vote for her for that. Just so I call, so I so I call her back and it's Caroline Levis. So we wrote the only story about it, it became a national speech. People are, you know Stephonic's office gets attacked. Blah blah blah. And she, and she we have some conversations that I'll put this way they were off the record. So they led me to believe she might be running for Congress. And I talked to people going she's 23. She can barely buy beer. What are you kidding me? There's no way. And because I used to run Republican primaries, there's no way the Older voters who dominate primaries are going to vote for someone who's who legally turned old enough to serve this August. There's no way they're going to so do it. Happen. She did it. She'll tell you to do it a couple ways. She's very talented. It's candidate quality. She's got the Carrie Lake effect of you see her, she talks, you can connect. Even if you don't agree, there's something there. She worked and worked and worked. She, I mean, she was everywhere so if, doing if everything. If she wins or has a good show, she, she's going to win. It's retail. She's going to win. It's retail politics. Caroline Levitt is going to replace Chris Pappas in the first. So she's going to win. So that's based she's going to win. Two things: hard work and it's a crappy year to be a Democrat. You know, Chris Pappas is a typical moderate, moderate lefty Who Democrat. Left? Yeah, he's well, but not super left. I mean, like for example, he's still standing by Title Forty Two. He flip-flopped on, on Drill Baby Drill. He now loves oil. 
He's a huge one. He would swim in it if he could, because he read the room. Right. So he's that. That's you know. I, by the way, I'm I'm for that for politicians. I want politicians who listen to the voters and say, you know what. Maybe I would be over here, you're over there. I'm going to find some space for us both as opposed to this kind yeah, of... The ones I don't like, though, are the ones where you need a scorecard to figure well, out no, where no, they are. No, Today, they're here, yeah, tomorrow, no, they're no, it's, it's the that's Joe Biden thing. How Joe about, Biden is in the... How about Mitt Romney? Uh, Mitt I, Romney has had every position... Let me have to say something mean about Mitt Romney. On, <laughs> Hi, Mitt! Okay, I uh, I ran the website in 2012, anyonebutmitt.com. I'm not a big Mitt Romney fan. He's kind of a... I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something that emerged. I, I remember this conversation as if it's yesterday at our, maybe our first or second debate at St. Anselm's College. I walk out, I got very friendly with Huckabee. McCain was always one of my best friends. It was weird running against him. But Huckabee and I started to like each other. And Huckabee said, you and I are totally opposite. But you know why I vote for you? You get the nomination, and not Mitt. I'd say, why? He said, well, I'm minister at heart. You're an honest man. I don't know. Was, the only interesting thing about a debate with him is what new position is he going to take? We're definitely uh, politically pliable. So yeah, that was that so was the one thing that McCain, mm -hmm. Giuliani, and Huckabee agreed on for sure. No Mitt. So we agreed. Whoever gets out front, we're going to endorse. Right. And cut him off. So I could have stayed in for another. I, like I had the New York primary coming up. Sure. I could have won the New York primary. Right. But lost. But I would have lost the nomination. And then I could have had some votes. I could have. Right. But I immediately yeah. went in and I endorsed McCain. And I became his like number two person right, right. away. I remember. So I took all my people, and I just moved them right over. Mainly because I didn't want to see Romney. Well. I, we found a moment of commonality here, so I'm going to close my part with this question. We had a piece in Ace Journal about how flax like me and candidates like you spend election day. Because here we are on election day, we're just because there's nothing to do on election. Is that, it's like the eye of the hurricane. We just went through half the storm. You got this 12 hours of total dead silence. It drives you crazy. You want information. There's no. So how did you, when you were running for mayor, when you were for president, did you have any election day rituals, habits, anything? Okay. When I ran, I uh, went and voted early, got television pictures from the New sure. York market. I went to a polling place in each borough, we have five, finished at noon, put my uh, uh, sweats on, and went out and played baseball, football with my <laughs> son and his friends. That's great. And uh, uh, actually we played baseball every time, it was like a ritual. And then around five o'clock, I finished, got the first right. exit, exit poll. I was always behind. <laughs> I was behind by 12 points the first time. I lost by one. I was behind by six points the second time. I won by three. I was ahead by seven the third time, and I won by 20. Wow. Don't tell me they don't <laughs> under-report right, Republicans. I have, I have outrun my polling every race. So uh, I always spent it relaxing uh, for half the day. Now we have people who campaign on election day. It's useless. It's useless. It's useless. You're, you're killing yourself. Right. And if you should win, you want to be fresh that night. You're if you should day. lose, you really want to be fresh. You don't want to yeah. be. How many guys kill their political career? Yep. Losing an election is almost a way of winning the next election. Mm -hmm. I mean, I almost prefer a guy who's run before. Sure, of course. And lost. But you get up there and you're angry mm -hmm. and you yell and you yeah. scream and uh, you're finished. Yep. So you want your candidate to be. Take it in stride, 
you know, we can live another day. We can right. make a nice statesmanlike. So I, I, I uh, tell all my friends who are running, calm down. Nothing you can do now. You heard it. Rudy Giuliani says calm down. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, thanks for your time. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Please find us on Twitter, New Hamp Journal, on Facebook, NH Journal, and of course at nhjournal.com where you can sign up for our daily newsletter. I'm Michael Graham with Inside Sources. Thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.